Section 2 of The Triumph of the Egg. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Triumph of the Egg by Sherwood Anderson. Section 2. I Want to Know Why. We got up at four in the morning that first day in the east. On the evening before, we had climbed off a freight train at the edge of town, and with the true instinct of Kentucky boys, had found our way across town into the racetrack and the stables at once. Then we knew we were all right. Hanley Turner right away found a nigger we knew. It was Bildad Johnson, who in the winter works at Ed Becker's livery barn in our hometown, Beckersville. Bildad is a good cook, as almost all our niggers are, and of course he, like everyone in our part of Kentucky who is anyone at all, likes the horses. In the spring, Bildad begins to scratch around. A nigger from our country can flatter and wheedle anyone into letting him do most anything he wants. Bildad wheedles the stablemen and the trainers from the horse farms in our country around Lexington. The trainers come into town in the evening to stand around and talk and maybe get into a poker game. Bildad gets in with them. He's always doing little favors and telling about things to eat, chicken browned in a pan, and how is the best way to cook sweet potatoes and cornbread. It makes your mouth water to hear him. When the racing season comes on and the horses go to the races and there is all the talk on the streets in the evenings about the new colts, and everyone says when they are going over to Lexington, or to the spring meeting at Churchill Downs, or to Latonia, and the horsemen that have been down to New Orleans, or maybe at the winter meeting at Havana and Cuba, come home to spend a week before they start out again. At such a time when everything talked about in Beckersville is just horses, and nothing else, and the outfits start out, and horse racing is in every breath of air you breathe, Bildad shows up with a job as cook for some outfit. Often when I think about it, his always going all season to the races, and working in the livery barn in the winter, where horses are, and where men like to come and talk about horses, I wish I was a nigger. It's a foolish thing to say, but that's the way I am about being around horses. Just crazy. I can't help it. Well, I must tell you about what we did, and let you in on what I'm talking about. Four of us boys from Beckersville, all whites and sons of men who live in Beckersville regular, made up our minds we were going to the races, not just to Lexington or Louisville, I don't mean, but to the big eastern track we were always hearing our Beckersville men talk about, to Saratoga. We were all pretty young then. I was just turned fifteen, and I was the oldest of the four. It was my scheme. I admit that, and I talked the others into trying it. There was Hanley Turner, and Henry Ryback, and Tom Tumberton, and myself. I had thirty-seven dollars I had earned during the winter, working nights and Saturdays in Enoch Meyer's grocery. Henry Ryback had eleven dollars, and the others, Hanley and Tom, had only a dollar or two each. We fixed it all up and laid low until the Kentucky spring meetings were over and some of our men, the sportiest ones, the ones we envied the most, had cut out. Then we cut out too. I won't tell you the trouble we had beating our way on freights and all. We went through Cleveland and Buffalo and other cities and saw Niagara Falls. We bought things there, souvenirs and spoons and cards and shells with pictures of the falls on them for our sisters and mothers but thought we had better not send any of the things home. We didn't want to put the folks on our trail and maybe be nabbed. 
We got into Saratoga, as I said, at night, and went to the track. Bildad fed us up. He showed us a place to sleep in hay over a shed, and promised to keep still. Niggers are all right about things like that. They won't squeal on you. Often a white man you might meet when you would run away from home like that might appear to be all right and give you a quarter or a half dollar or something, and then go right ahead and give you away. White men will do that, but not a nigger. You can trust them. They are squarer with kids. I don't know why. At the Saratoga meeting that year, there were a lot of men from home. Dave Williams and Arthur Mulford and Jerry Myers and others. Then there was a lot from Louisville and Lexington, Henry Ryback knew, but I didn't. They were professional gamblers, and Henry Ryback's father is one too. He is what is called a sheet writer, and goes away most of the year to tracks. In the winter, when he is home in Beckersville, he don't stay there much, but goes away to cities and deals faro. He is a nice man and generous, is always sending Henry presents, a bicycle and a gold watch and a Boy Scout suit of clothes and things like that. My own father is a lawyer. He's all right, but don't make much money and can't buy me things, and anyway I'm getting so old now I don't expect it. He never said nothing to me against Henry, but Hanley Turner and Tom Tumberton's fathers did. They said to their boys that money so come by is no good, and they didn't want their boys brought up to hear gamblers talk and be thinking about such things and maybe embrace them. That's all right, and I guess the men know what they are talking about, but I don't see what it's got to do with Henry or with horses either. That's what I'm writing this story about. I'm puzzled. I'm getting to be a man and want to think straight and be okay, and there's something I saw at the race meeting at the Eastern Track I can't figure out. I can't help it. I'm crazy about thoroughbred horses. I've always been that way. When I was ten years old and saw I was growing to be big and couldn't be a rider, I was so sorry I nearly died. Harry Hellenfinger, in Beckersville, whose father is postmaster, is grown up and too lazy to work, but likes to stand around in the street and get up jokes on boys like sending them to a hardware store for a gimlet to bore square holes and other jokes like that. He played one on me. He told me that if I would eat a half a cigar, I would be stunted and not grow any more, and maybe could be a writer. I did it. When father wasn't looking, I took a cigar out of his pocket and gagged it down some way. It made me awful sick, and the doctor had to be sent for, and then it did no good. I kept right on growing. It was a joke. When I told what I had done, and why, most fathers would have whipped me, but mine didn't. Well, I didn't get stunted and didn't die. It serves Harry Hellenfinger right. Then I made up my mind I would like to be a stable boy, but had to give that up, too. Mostly niggers do that work, and I knew father wouldn't let me go into it. No use to ask him. If you've never been crazy about thoroughbreds, it's because you've never been around where they are much and don't know any better. They're beautiful. There isn't anything so lovely and clean and full of spunk and honest and everything as some racehorses. On the big horse farms that are all around our town, Beckersville, there are tracks and the horses run in the early morning. 
More than a thousand times I've got out of bed before daylight and walked two or three miles to the tracks. Mother wouldn't have let me go, but father always says, let him alone. So I got some bread out of the bread box and some butter and jam, gobbled it and lit out. At the tracks, you sit on the fence with men, whites and niggers, and they chew tobacco and talk, and then the colts are brought out. It's early, and the grass is covered with shiny dew, and in another field a man is plowing, and they are frying things in a shed where the track niggers sleep, and you know how a nigger can giggle and laugh and say things that make you laugh. A white man can't do it, and some niggers can't, but a track nigger can every time. And so the colts are brought out, and some are just galloped by stable boys, but almost every morning on the big tracks owned by a rich man who lives maybe in New York, there are always, nearly every morning, a few colts and some of the old racehorses and geldings and mares that are cut loose. It brings a lump into my throat when a horse runs. I don't mean all horses, but some. I can pick them nearly every time. It's in my blood like in the blood of racetrack niggers and trainers. Even when they just go slop-jogging along with a little nigger on their backs, I can tell a winner. If my throat hurts and it's hard for me to swallow, that's him. He'll run like Sam Hill when you let him out. If he don't win every time, it'll be a wonder, and because they've got him in a pocket behind another, or he was pulled, or got off bad at the post, or something. If I wanted to be a gambler like Henry Ryback's father, I could get rich. I know I could, and Henry says so, too. All I would have to do is wait till that hurt comes when I see a horse, and then bet every cent. That's what I would do if I wanted to be a gambler. But I don't. When you're at the tracks in the morning, not the race tracks, but the training tracks around Beckersville, you don't see a horse, the kind I've been talking about, very often. But it's nice anyway. Any thoroughbred that is sired right and out of a good mare and trained by a man that knows how can run. If he couldn't, what would he be there for and not pulling a plow? Well, out of the stables they come and the boys are on their backs and it's lovely to be there. You hunch down on top of the fence and itch inside you. Over in the sheds, the niggers giggle and sing. Bacon is being fried and coffee made. Everything smells lovely. Nothing smells better than coffee and manure and horses and niggers and bacon frying and pipes being smoked out of doors on a morning like that. It just gets you. That's what it does. But about Saratoga. We was there six days and not a soul from home seen us and everything came off just as we wanted it to. Fine weather and horses and races and all. We beat our way home, and Bildad gave us a basket with fried chicken and bread and other eatables in, and I had eighteen dollars when we got back to Beckersville. Mother jawed and cried, but Pop didn't say much. I told everything we'd done, except one thing. I did and saw that alone. That's what I'm writing about. It got me upset. I think about it at night. Here it is. At Saratoga we laid up nights in the hay in the shed Bildad had showed us, and ate with the niggers early and at night when the race people had all gone away. 
The men from home stayed mostly in the grandstand and betting field and didn't come out around the places where the horses are kept except to the paddocks just before a race when the horses are saddled. At Saratoga they don't have paddocks under an open shed as at Lexington and Churchill Downs and other tracks down in our country, but saddle the horses right out in an open place under trees on a lawn as smooth and nice as Banker Bohan's front yard here in Beckersville. It's lovely. The horses are sweaty and nervous and shine, and the men come out and smoke cigars and look at them, and the trainers are there and the owners, and your heart thumps so you can hardly breathe. Then the bugle blows for post, and the boys that ride come running out with their silk clothes on, and you run to get a place by the fence with the niggers. I always am wanting to be a trainer or owner, and at the risk of being seen and caught and sent home, I went to the paddocks before every race. The other boys didn't, but I did. We got to Saratoga on a Friday, and on Wednesday the next week, the big Mulford handicap was to be run. Middlestride was in it, and Sunstreak. The weather was fine and the track fast. I couldn't sleep the night before. What had happened was that both these horses are the kind it makes my throat hurt to see. Middlestride is long and looks awkward and is a gelding. He belongs to Joe Thompson, a little owner from home who only has a half-dozen horses. The Mulford handicap is for a mile, and Middlestride can't untrack fast. He goes away slow and is always way back at the half, and then he begins to run, and if the race is a mile and a quarter, he'll just eat up everything and get there. Sunstreak is different. He is a stallion and nervous and belongs on the biggest farm we've got in our country, the Van Riddle place that belongs to Mr. Van Riddle of New York. Sunstreak is like a girl you think about sometimes but never see. He is hard all over and lovely too. When you look at his head you want to kiss him. He is trained by Jerry Tilford, who knows me and has been good to me lots of times, lets me walk into a horse's stall to look at him close and other things. There isn't anything as sweet as that horse. He stands at the post quiet and not letting on, but he is just burning up inside. Then, when the barrier goes up, he is off like his name, Sunstreak. It makes you ache to see him. It hurts you. He just lays down and runs like a bird dog. There can't anything I ever see run like him except Middlestride when he gets untracked and stretches himself. Gee, I ached to see that race and those two horses run, ached and dreaded it, too. I didn't want to see either of our horses beaten. We had never sent a pair like that to the races before. Old men in Beckersville said so, and the niggers said so. It was a fact. Before the race I went over to the paddocks to see. I looked a last look at Middlestride, who isn't such a much standing in a paddock that way. Then I went to see Sunstreak. It was his day. I knew it when I see him. I forgot all about being seen myself and walked right up. All the men from Beckersville were there, and no one noticed me except Jerry Tilford. He saw me, and something happened. I'll tell you about that. I was standing looking at that horse and aching. 
In some way, I can't tell how, I knew just how Sunstreak felt inside. He was quiet and letting the niggers rub his legs, and Mr. Van Riddle himself put the saddle on, but he was just a raging torrent inside. He was like the water in the river at Niagara Falls just before it goes plunk down. That horse wasn't thinking about running. He don't have to think about that. He was just thinking about holding himself back till the time for the running came. I knew that. I could just, in a way, see right inside him. He was going to do some awful running, and I knew it. He wasn't bragging or letting on much or prancing or making a fuss, but just waiting. I knew it, and Jerry Tilford, his trainer, knew. I looked up, and then that man and I looked into each other's eyes. Something happened to me. I guess I loved the man as much as I did the horse, because he knew what I knew. Seemed to me there wasn't anything in the world but that man and the horse and me. I cried, and Jerry Tilford had a shine in his eyes. Then I came away to the fence to wait for the race. The horse was better than me, more steadier, and now I know better than Jerry. He was the quietest, and he had to do the running. Sunstreak ran first, of course, and he busted the world's record for a mile. I've seen that if I never see anything more. Everything came out just as I expected. Middlestride got left at the post and was way back and closed up to be second just as I knew he would. He'll get a world's record too some day. They can't skin the Beckersville country on horses. I watched the race calm because I knew what would happen. I was sure. Hanley Turner and Henry Ryback and Tom Tumberton were all more excited than me. A funny thing had happened to me. I was thinking about Jerry Tilford, the trainer, and how happy he was all through the race. I liked him that afternoon even more than I ever liked my own father. I almost forgot the horses thinking that way about him. It was because of what I had seen in his eyes as he stood in the paddocks beside Sunstreak before the race started. I knew he had been watching and working with Sunstreak since the horse was a baby colt, had taught him to run and be patient and when to let himself out, and not to quit, never. I knew that for him it was like a mother seeing her child do something brave or wonderful. It was the first time I ever felt for a man like that. After the race that night I cut out from Tom and Hanley and Henry. I wanted to be by myself, and I wanted to be near Jerry Tilford if I could work it. Here is what happened. The track in Saratoga is near the edge of town. It is all polished up and trees around, the evergreen kind, and grass and everything painted and nice. If you go past the track, you get to a hard road made of asphalt for automobiles, and if you go along this for a few miles, there is a road turns off to a little rummy-looking farmhouse set in a yard. That night after the race, I went along that road because I had seen Jerry and some other men go that way in an automobile. I didn't expect to find them. I walked for a ways and then sat down by a fence to think. It was the direction they went in. I wanted to be as near Jerry as I could. I felt close to him. Pretty soon I went up the side road, I don't know why, and came to the rummy farmhouse. 
I was just lonesome to see Jerry, like wanting to see your father at night when you are a young kid. Just then an automobile came along and turned in. Jerry was in it, and Henry Ryback's father, and Arthur Bedford from home, and Dave Williams, and two other men I didn't know. They got out of the car and went into the house, all but Henry Ryback's father, who quarreled with them and said he wouldn't go. It was only about nine o'clock, but they were all drunk, and the rummy-looking farmhouse was a place for bad women to stay in. That's what it was. I crept up along a fence and looked through a window and saw. It's what gave me the fantods. I can't make it out. The women in the house were all ugly, mean-looking women, not nice to look at or be near. They were homely, too, except one who was tall and looked a little like the gelding Middlestride, but not clean like him, but with a hard, ugly mouth. She had red hair. I saw everything plain. I got up by an old rose bush by an open window and looked. The women had on loose dresses and sat around in chairs. The men came in and some sat on the women's laps. The place smelled rotten and there was rotten talk, the kind a kid hears around a livery stable in a town like Beckersville in the winter, but don't ever expect to hear talked when there are women around. It was rotten. A nigger wouldn't go into such a place. I looked at Jerry Tilford. I've told you how I had been feeling about him on account of his knowing what was going on inside of Sunstreak in the minute before he went to the post for the race in which he made a world's record. Jerry bragged in that bad woman house as I know Sunstreak wouldn't never have bragged. He said that he made that horse, that it was him that won the race and made the record. He lied and bragged like a fool. I never heard such silly talk. And then, what do you suppose he did? He looked at the woman in there, the one that was lean and hard-mouthed and looked a little like the gelding Middlestride, but not clean like him. And his eyes began to shine, just as they did when he looked at me and at Sunstreak in the paddocks at the track in the afternoon. I stood there by the window. Gee, but I wished I hadn't gone away from the tracks, but had stayed with the boys and the niggers and the horses. The tall, rotten-looking woman was between us, just as Sunstreak was in the paddocks in the afternoon. Then, all of a sudden, I began to hate that man. I wanted to scream and rush in the room and kill him. I never had such a feeling before. I was so mad clean through that I cried, and my fists were doubled up so my fingernails cut my hands. And Jerry's eyes kept shining, and he waved back and forth, and then he went and kissed that woman, and I crept away and went back to the tracks and to bed, and didn't sleep hardly any, and then next day I got the other kids to start home with me, and never told them anything I seen. I've been thinking about it ever since. I can't make it out. Spring has come again, and I'm nearly sixteen, and go to the tracks mornings, same as always and I see Sunstreak and Middlestride, and a new colt named Stride, and I'll bet we'll lay them all out, but no one thinks so but me and two or three niggers. But things are different. At the tracks, the air don't taste as good, or smell as good. It's because a man like Jerry Tilford, who knows what he does, could see a horse like Sunstreak run and kiss a woman like that the same day. 
I can't make it out. Darn him, what did he want to do like that for? I keep thinking about it and it spoils looking at horses and smelling things and hearing niggers laugh and everything. Sometimes I'm so mad about it I want to fight someone. It gives me the fantods. What did he do it for? I want to know why. End of I Want to Know Why